Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. Then the disciples gathered round Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the first and the last, says the Lord, and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Alleluia. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. So Luke chapter 24, verse 45 to 53. Luke 24, verse 45. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Heavenly Father, as we come now to look at your word, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to see anew. Lord, you open those disciples' hearts to understand the scriptures. And we pray that you would do the same for us this morning by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please do sit down. I wonder if you like playing games. We certainly do in our household. The other, um, the other day I was taking two of my grandchildren off to piano lessons and we were playing the game of preferences. Don't know if you ever played that, but you asked them to choose one of two options. So do you prefer Christmas day or your birthday? Do you prefer chips or roast potatoes? Surprisingly, they were roast potatoes children, but anyway, must be a good upbringing. So I thought this morning we'd play a game of odd one out. So I'm gonna give you five options and I want to see if you can spot which is the odd one out and why. And your five options are Christmas Day, Good Friday, Easter Day, Ascension Day, and Whit Sunday. One of those has an odd one out. Any ideas which? I'll give you a clue. It's to do with bank holidays. 
Ascension Day is the only day of those five which doesn't traditionally have a bank holiday associated with it. And bank holidays are traditionally linked to important spiritual days. Days of spiritual reflection and days of celebration. So poor old Ascension Day doesn't have its own bank holiday. I wonder if that means that it's the poor relation. Not many people, I guess, today greeted you with the words, Happy Ascension. On the 25th of December, you came in here and everybody said to you, Happy Christmas. Why not? Is Ascension unimportant? Is it an unimportant footnote to the Gospel? Or is it a vital ingredient to the life of the Church? Well, of those five festivals that I mentioned, interestingly, Ascension was the first one that the New Testament Church celebrated. We read of celebrations starting in AD 68. They started celebrating Ascension before they celebrated Easter, before they celebrated Christmas. So what did the early church see in that that we don't? For them, the Ascension was the single act which released the power of God. Tim Keller talks of the Ascension as being like a detonator in a bomb. A bomb has the ability to be extremely explosive, but without a detonator, it's quite benign. It reminds me of a work colleague many years ago who told me the story that she lived in a flat, and the flat had a rather sad-looking window box outside the window. And she decided it was time to plant some flowers in this window box. She wasn't a great gardener, but in her garage, she got an old box of fertilizer. It had got damp and gone a bit lumpy, but she thought to herself, if I dry that out, that'll be perfect to help my planting. So she got the little box of fertilizer, put it in a microwave, and after about three or four seconds, the microwave blew up, <laughs> as did half her kitchen. Fertilizer is an explosive, and the microwave was the detonator. So why is ascension like the detonator that causes an explosion? We're going to think about that this morning. So let's go back to that scene on the Mount of Olives. Jesus is covered with a cloud. It was a physical demonstration to the disciples that Jesus was no longer going to be with them, no longer going to be present on earth, but was returning to his Father. In the ancient world, the ancient world thought of hell as being down, earth as being where we are, and heaven as being up. But Jesus wasn't going up into the sky in terms of going somewhere above the stratosphere. The first, I saw on the news this morning, the pictures of two Russian cosmonauts outside the space, space station. And it reminded me of Yuri Gagarin when he went first man into space. And one of the things he said when he came back is he didn't see God, as if he was expecting God to be up there somewhere. It's a bit like in the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel, trying to get up to God. But heaven isn't a place in the universe. Heaven is the presence of God. And Jesus, who's now both God and man, returns the presence of God, his Father. And this is why Jesus was covered in a cloud, 
It wasn't a rain cloud. This wasn't the weather coming in. This was a cloud of the presence of God. Do you remember the Israelites in the wilderness? They were led during the day by a pillar of cloud. That was God's presence. Do you remember Solomon, the dedication of the temple? We read in 1 Kings 8, the priests withdrew from the holy place and the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests couldn't perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So they understood a cloud meant the presence of God. And Jesus being visibly taken into this cloud means he's being taken into the presence of God, into heaven. Over the previous 40 days, Jesus had been weaning those disciples off his physical presence. Because since his resurrection, things had changed. He would come to them all of a sudden, and then he would disappear. And then he'd come to them again, and then he'd disappear. It was different to the, before the resurrection, when he was with them all the time. So the symbolism of Jesus being taken into the cloud was a statement to the disciples that they would never, ever see him again. This was truly the end. This was his last appearance. He would be leaving them forever. They would never, ever set eyes on him in that form again. But this was for their good. It's what they needed and it's what the church, it's what the worldwide church needed. But the disciples didn't get it. They're staring there into the sky. You almost feel that they are mourning the loss of someone. They'd already lost him once at Calvary and miraculously Jesus had been returned. But now 40 days later, they're losing him again. And they were looking intently into the sky as the cloud of God's presence covered Jesus. We don't read there was any cheering or shouting. I guess if we'd have been there, we'd have seen looks of anguish, maybe even bereavement. But from the angel's perspective, there wasn't a cause for mourning. It almost seems this is a cause for rejoicing. Indeed, it seems there was something that the angel said which changed the mood of the disciples because the penny had dropped by the time they'd returned from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. At the end of Luke 24, we read, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually in the temple, praising God. They were now, had hearts full of great joy. Great joy that Jesus had gone. Great joy that they were now alone. You know, this can only be the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting them of something very profound. Why was there joy in their hearts and not mourning at the loss of Jesus? Well, there are two main reasons, and the Holy Spirit had taught them this. The first is that Jesus is now, by his Spirit, able to be everywhere all the time. And the second is that Jesus is now in the Father's presence as our high priest. He's able to intercede for us and he's able to control everything. And the disciples had caught this vision and that was for them that detonation point. The spirit would soon be sent at Pentecost and the explosion of the church and the eruption of the gospel would take place. Because now, instead of just being in one place at a time, Jesus, by his spirit, was going to be everywhere all the time. 
Go back to Easter morning and Jesus' encounter with Mary. What did he say to Mary? He said to Mary, don't touch me. But it wasn't a case of, actually he said, don't hold me. But it wasn't a case of don't touch me because, do you remember, Thomas was invited to touch Jesus. When Jesus said, don't hold me, what he meant was, let me go. Let me go so that I can be with you all the time. That's the way that you and I will be inseparable. So it wasn't a case of don't hold me. It was a case of don't hold on to me. So by his ascension, Jesus now becomes omnipresent. But omnipresent in what form? Well, Paul gives us a clue in Ephesians 2 and verse 17, when he's writing to the Ephesian church, Paul says this. He says, he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you when you were far away. He came and preached peace to you when you were far away. But we know for a fact that Jesus never went to Ephesus. So how did he preach to the Ephesians? It was through the apostles. It was through the apostles preaching and the work of the Holy Spirit that the voice of Jesus was heard. When on earth, Jesus was only in one place at one time, but now by his spirit, through his church, he can speak to everyone, everywhere. By the spirit, this is the explosion of the gospel. Paul talked about this in Corinthians 1.27 when he talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. So Jesus' dwelling place on earth is no longer his physical body. It's our physical body, the body of the church. We are the body of Christ, you and me. So Jesus is in down end this morning through you and me. Well, if that's the truth, what's the implication for us? Well, one of the implications is, just think of this, God is heard as you speak. God is heard as you speak. Despite you being who you are, Jesus isn't afraid to call you his and to identify with you and to speak through you. He doesn't write you off just as he didn't write off the disciples. When we read that uh, passage from Acts, Luke quotes a very funny question that the disciples asked Jesus. You see, right up to the point when Jesus was about to leave them, some of the disciples still thought that Jesus was there to free them from the Romans. They said this, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still didn't get it. You know, if I'd have been Jesus, do you know what I'd have done? I'd have lost my temper with them at that point. I'd have thrown up my hands and I said, you really, guys, you don't get it, do you? You're hopeless. I think I'm going to have to go and do it myself. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus trusted them with all their faults and all their failings. And when they said to him, will you do it? He said, no, you do it. Jesus left it in their hands. And you know what? We're just as hopeless as they are. But if you look at the worldwide church today, there are more Christians alive today than have ever died. 
An amazing fact. The church is growing around the world. The church is prospering. And I was going to say that's despite us. It's through us. That's the glory of the gospel. That's the explosion of the gospel that ascension has made possible. The church is thriving and it's because of Christians like you and me. God is doing his work through the motliest of people. Doesn't that make you feel rather humble? I hope it does. It humbles me. It humbles me to think that we are God's mouthpieces, his ambassadors, his church builders. And the success of his church isn't down to our skill or our oratory. It's because Jesus has ascended and through his spirit, he is running things from the throne room of heaven and he is building his church. I will build my church. Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father in glory. It's what Stephen saw when he was being stoned to death. He saw heaven opened and he saw Jesus at the right hand of God. He saw him right there in the center of the throne room of heaven. The man of God, the son of God, was there at the center of heaven. The bomb has been detonated. The spirit has come to empower the church. And our great high priest is there with his father, ruling and reigning. That's his place. That's his job. And that is our confidence until, the, as the angel says, in bodily form, he returns. That's our confidence. Jesus is there in glory. I hope today perhaps you'll just think a little bit about the ascension. And I hope as you do, it will just fill your heart with glory that Jesus has done all this. And that we should celebrate and celebrate as those disciples celebrated. God has appointed you and me to be his mouthpiece, to be his hands and his feet. You are speaking and living the gospel. Whether it's caring for a, a friend or a relative who doesn't even recognize who you are anymore, whether it's sharing your heart with the next generation, whether it's praying for somebody, encouraging them, maybe encouraging somebody who's struggling in their faith, you are speaking the words of Jesus. You are his mouthpiece. It's only through you that he's ministering this gospel of love and redemption. It's through you that truth and justice and character are demonstrated. That's what the Ascension Day did. It created the explosion of the gospel of grace. And all that is possible because Jesus ascended to his father's side. I think that's humbling and may we therefore be humble servants of our ascended saviour for his glory. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment.